Are you tired of losing your rights and freedoms? The Alberta Prosperity Project has a solution for you. Join the community and learn more at albertaprosperityproject.com. And with you on board, we can achieve freedom and prosperity for all of us. Oh, hey everyone, how's it going? Great to have you join us. As you likely know, you're watching Rebel Daily with me, your host, Adam Sos, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sid Bizzard. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, pretty good. Enjoying uh, the nice Alberta weather while we have it, and yourself? Yeah, no, it's great. It's lovely out there. We uh, went to, uh, had, a, had a nice little interview with a couple of UCP leadership hopefuls down by the river the other day. Great to be enjoying this nice weather. Uh, as you've probably noticed, uh, normally we do this on Monday, but this will be sort of our Alberta-focused edition and as such it's actually sponsored and brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project. The Alberta Prosperity Project is a not-for-profit non-partisan organization uniting all Albertans to protect their interests, freedoms, and rights. To learn more about the Alberta Prosperity Project and how you can get involved, visit albertaprosperityproject.com. Now this daily live stream is an incredible opportunity to be able to react to some live news, um, so to get some feedback on some stories as they're coming back, look back at some of the sort of key stories that we've had over the last little while. But most importantly, it's an opportunity to interact with you, our viewers. That's why we started doing this on a daily basis. We enjoyed this so very much. We're streaming today on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, and Getter. Uh, you can also send us uh, paid chats through Rumble Rants or Odyssey Hyper Chats. We love engaging with your feedback in that way. Uh, we'll sort of, towards the end of the show, respond, read, try and give you some answers on any questions you may have. Um, so if you guys, if you haven't done that before, consider making today the day you you give it a go, and then we can, we can have a conversation with you. Some of the regulars out there, it's great. Every day we get to know you, we get to learn a little bit about you when you're participating in those hyper chats. So very much looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, so consider chipping in in that way and helping out. Uh, so, Sid, what should we talk about first today? Well, I got to say, I'm a newcomer to Alberta, right? Uh, and being here for just under a year now, I have really learned to enjoy what Alberta has to offer. Uh, but before we kind of get into a little bit more about the Alberta news that we have today, mm -hmm. I, I want to point this out uh, something that's happening in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia. Uh, and uh, this is their, uh, uh, his royalness, his uh, royal highness has announced a new project online, which is um, I, I want to show you guys this and I want to talk about this so that you can see the difference between what's coming on in Alberta and the rest of the world. So that maybe if we... Uh, Increase prosperity and improve public health, but also to build back better. If the demands from the farmers are not met, what do you think happens next? I think the farmers will explode. I'm afraid it will, will be a civil war. Civil war is going to start. Up to a civil war? I don't know. I think there's going to be farmers today or tomorrow. They go to their homes and they say, if you don't come there, we come to you. Well, I know the farmers a bit. And uh, if they draw a line in the sand, they draw a line in the sand. going to be a small civil war. I can imagine it's going to be uh, a lot of mayhem.
Holmes story that's really troubling, and I'll, I'll allow you to sort of fill in the details, but kind of from what we've heard, a bit of an older gentleman, Mr. Bialski, was on an airplane making every sort of effort from what, from what I've heard to wear his mask, and it came down in the course of sleeping, but basically another one of these crazy stories where an older gentleman, maybe with some medical issues, just being harassed and ultimately arrested because of some mask issues on an airplane. What's the story? We don't know much at this point, but I'll tell you what we do know is that we have a 76-year-old client, which is obviously a senior. Um, you know, this fellow has had a double hip replacement. He's got numerous medical conditions. Uh, one of the nicest guys that we've ever come across uh, on a flight, WestJet flight, um, just, just trying to finish the flight. I believe it was transatlantic as well. I'll have to check the file. Um, we've got so many of these Fight the Fines files, and it's mm -hmm. so bizarre to me, Adam, to still be opening Fight the Fines files after the pandemic has supposedly mm -hmm. come to an end. This fellow was on the plane. Uh, there's allegations from WestJet that this, uh, you know, kind gentleman was essentially belligerent, and he was given a ticket under Canadian aviation regulations for failing to wear a mask, even though he was making best and reasonable efforts to wear a mask. Um, he's a great guy. It's just so bizarre uh, to see the heavy hand of the government and these draconian uh, mandate, uh, uh, mandate implementations still affecting seniors and reasonable people in this province. Um, as you know, it's a little calmer. All right. Apologies for the uh, technical difficulty there. We're back, though, and we're here to talk about Alberta and some of the stories. Adam, do you want to just touch base there? On, uh... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we do apologize for that. Uh, we had some audio cutting out, some issues. You know, they're testing some uh, fire, alarm, fire alarm systems here, messing with the Internet. Not sure exactly what's happening, but uh, good to be back with you. We were just talking about the... Uh, uh, obviously, we've got this beautiful, widespread, green Alberta province. We love to share so much space. Um, but you, you, you sort of found this incredible story coming from Saudi Arabia. Uh, incredible, maybe haunting, maybe dystopic. Uh, well, you haven't seen it yet, uh, the video that they put out there. But it's about The Line, uh, a project that's going to be going forward in the Middle East. And it's this kind of uh, revision of what a city should be and how the buildings should be constructed. It's very interesting. I don't know if we have that article uh, on hand, and then there is also the video aspect of that, but it is a uh, an incredible project. Uh, whether or not it's a good or a bad thing, uh, I'll leave that aside for the moment until Adam uh, has a chance to look at the video. But it's uh, it is quite the project, and it's they say what larger than the Eiffel Tower in height. Uh, it's you know 173 kilometers long. I think they said it was. So yeah. it's uh, it is really a massive project, uh, and it is kind of a. A turning point, you know, we have cities, we have, you know, cities that rely on a kind of grid structure, and they're all laid out across the land, uh, all the buildings and homes and whatnot. Whereas in the line, everything is one big building, the entire community, the entire city. So it is, uh, it is quite the sight to see, uh, to say the least. Let's let's pull that video up. There is a video. I, I, I'm actually going to be live reacting to this. I haven't seen it yet. So let's go to the video of the line. For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature. 
The line will be home to 9 million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers. There it is. Build and the wall. And we are designing wall. it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality <laughs> of life. civilization as they the would The line's see. communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have to access reality. to all their daily needs within five-minute walk neighborhoods. And the line's infrastructure makes it possible to travel end-to-end -end in 20 minutes with no need for cars, resulting in zero carbon zero emissions. Carbon. By leveraging AI technology, services are autonomous, saving you time and effort. Designed by world-leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers long, and housed within an elegant mirror glass facade. Intelligent solutions create efficiency and year-round temperate microclimate with natural ventilation. Same Energy coin as the Xbox. and water supplies are 100% <laughs> renewable. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views and immediate access to the surrounding nature. Equitable views. With 40% yeah. of the world accessible within six hours at the heart of the globe's key trade routes, a place for commerce and communities to thrive like nothing on earth seen before. The Line, the city that delivers so new wonders for the world. When you uh, when are you going to be living there? Yeah, when do, where do I put in my down deposit? I don't want my community to look like a new Samsung device. <laughs> um, and like, I mean, it's so that is just like straight lines do not appear in nature. Yeah. Like an organic embedded like community is a nice old farmhouse on a big lot with horses out back mm -hmm. and and a forest growing around it. That's the organic embedded natural real sort of thing that we're looking for this is a giant mirror facaded line uh in the middle of the desert it's about the most inorganic thing i've ever seen listen i don't doubt that this is going to be cool they're clearly going for some like vegasy mile type vibes here um given that it's saudi arabia and some of the other projects there maybe it'll falter maybe they'll actually get this done we know obviously some of the other countries uh the uaa qatar a couple of these other places they have no problems using uh north korean slave labor but uh, so it might get done and it might be cool but the the whole pitch of this is this like organic paying attention to nature on a fundamental sort of whether you're into poetry or art or engineering like lines like that don't appear in nature. What was your response? You sort of found the story, but what oh, did you think? Well, it's it's ridiculous. You know, it's like you want to live in a box with you and your nine million friends that you don't know. And you know, one thing I thought about when I saw that is, uh, you know, if we were to go through this kind of coronavirus response as the government had done in the past, you know. In a facility like that, well, you're going to have your little key card that's going to tell you where you're allowed to go. Mm -hmm. And if they decide that everything needs to get locked down, well, bang, you no longer can use any of the doors in that facility. And your artificial intelligence uh, robot is going to deliver you deliver your food to your doorstep. So, you know, I, I'm not exactly too keen on uh, yeah. living in a box like that. And it also makes me think about, uh, you know, if you're trying to be environmentally friendly, and it's a bit of a change of subject when it comes to vehicles, um, you don't you know, you have a 10-year-old, 15-year-old vehicle, and it's, you know, reaching the end of its life, you can get a new vehicle. And, you know, some people would say that you should get an electric vehicle to be more environmentally friendly, this and that. But the amount of production that goes into an electric vehicle versus 
if you went out there and bought a second-hand vehicle, yeah. you're saving the planet by buying that second-hand vehicle, yeah. even if it is using uh, diesel or using uh, yeah, any kind of fuel other than electric. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of, I, I see this in the same way, where they're trying to redesign civilization to what cost, yeah. you know, and they say it's going to be environmentally friendly. Well, batteries, they go bad. You're going to have to replace those yeah. batteries. Solar panels, they need to be replaced. Um, I think there's a lot that is wrong with this, uh, even though it is a cool looking thing, you know, you stare at it, it's a wonder of the world, so to speak, as they would try and uh, mm -hmm. uh, turn it into a Marvel uh, type thing. But I, I just have no faith in it. You know, the other thing that really like strikes me is like, and it, it's because you talked about that sort of, everything is so disposable in society today. And I think that's an issue. Like it used to be more like, oh, swap out for a new component. Now it's the whole thing goes in the garbage. Yep. But how many, like you see these massive like landfills of non-biodegradable uh, windmill blades. Um, or even like these batteries that are that are farmed from these lithium mines destroying places and then they have to be charged with coal power instead of like more environmentally friendly ethical Alberta oil. Exactly. How much of this like how much of this is going to be in 15 20 years when the stuff stops working? Well, we can just build another one. Uh, it seems so disposable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it, it is. And you know, one thing as well is when it comes to the maintenance on a facility like that, maintenance is going to be 24 hours a day you know and you get a skyscraper obviously it's going to have maintenance most of the time yeah but in a facility like that it's going to be constant maintenance and that, that's at least how i would see it and you know another last thing i'll touch on for uh, this line is it's segmented into communities that's you know part of the pitch quarantined in the community oh yeah oh yeah that's going to be a quarantine and yeah. not only that you know they say equitable views and this and that well i guarantee you you know this block community is going to have a much nicer more equitable <laughs> oh yeah than the community adjacent to it or further yeah. down the line yeah you know um so there is going to be that separation of economic uh, uh viability between mm -hmm. those who have everything and those who have nothing yeah. especially in a place like saudi arabia and, and it just looks like something out of like like blade runner or some yeah. dystopic novel like you can see the like people in the desert attacking oh, during yeah. a rebellion or whatever it's well and it's so so much of this there may be some cool concepts here it could be a very cool sort of tech display um but almost everything here is just pandering to world economic forum talking exactly. points that is the crux of all of yeah. this and now I don't know if we can bring it back to uh, Alberta yeah, now and absolutely. talk about some of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, kick that off. Well, um, and you're going to have to give me a little more detail into this, but Danielle Smith, yeah. uh, one of the candidates for the UCP leadership uh, to replace Jason Kenney after he yeah. uh, uh, decided he would be stepping down as the leader. Uh, he was invited to step down, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, Danielle Smith, uh, she's in one hand come out strong against the World Economic Forum, mm -hmm. you know, saying we don't need these guys, you know, you're going to own nothing and be happy. Well, that's not the plan for Canada, so to speak. Yeah. But on the other hand, and you're fill me in on this, she's also touched up, and actually we have it on the screen right now. Yeah. So Danielle, uh, Danielle, how do you feel about the World Economic Forum? And then let's, let's see her answer there, you know, as she condemns Trudeau and Notley. The World Economic Forum uh, are anti-democratic elites who have been attacking our province for years. No one in my government will be permitted to have any ties with their organization. But then, yeah. in the other side of the conversation, she was talking about net zero, and she mm -hmm. was advocating for a net zero stance, which is very strongly tied in with the World Economic Forum agenda. Could parse that out for me, and maybe we'll pull that up uh, shortly. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very interesting because uh, Danielle Smith was uh, can she do it? Very much. I, I did a long, extensive interview with her. We talked about the World Economic Forum and lots of this stuff, um, and. 
she very quickly went from a, a can she really do it to like a clear front runner in the eyes of just about everybody. Um, and it was because she was uncompromising on freedom, which for anyone out there paying attention, the, the management of COVID-19 issues is why in a major way, Jason Kenney is not the leader anymore. Most people weren't particularly upset with him on economics or the other stuff he was doing. It was the COVID-19 response, the vaccine mandates, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. she right away was the first person and she was doing it. I mean, Todd Lowen would be the other person who mm -hmm. very early on sort of paid a price. But these are people who from the get-go were anti-World Economic Forum, anti-lockdown, sort of taking a bold stance on this. Oh. Um, yeah, here we go. So for Danielle Smith to be to come out and use his net zero terminology. Now I've had the opportunity um, to be at a number of her sort of smaller town halls in remote regions. And I've heard her talk about this at length. And I think one of the major issues here is um, you're doing yourself a disservice by using World Economic Forum talking points like that term net zero. So many freedom oriented people, so many sort of Alberta energy, ethical oil, oriented people hear someone say net zero and they're like gross uh there'll be an interview coming out soon today in fact i did with todd lowen and we asked about why candidates even if they're ultra pro oil feel the need to sort of pander on these net zero type initiatives um during that ucp debate danielle smith said she's sort of done a, a complete 180 on this and now she thinks that net zero is attainable well canada barely emits uh, emissions compared to these other contributors and when you calculate the sort of upcycling uh, from trees mm -hmm. we're, we're we're almost there we're very close to there uh, the sort of net contribution of canada is in the less than two percent range compared to some of these other countries well and not only that i should add you know given that we have the oil patch up here in alberta of course uh the amount of research and development that has gone into that and come out of that uh, is is astounding, and it's the reason why we have more efficient, more environmental uh, practices when it comes to the production of oil, the production of natural gas. Yeah. It's because of the oil sands exactly. that we have this, yeah. and yet at every turn they're trying to just shun it. They're trying to do away with it. They're trying to uh, hinder it in any way they possibly can, yeah. even though if their end goal was you know environmental advocacy, yeah. well then you would look to the oil sands instead of looking to China or looking to Russia or wherever else, because we actually want to uphold those standards. Yeah. And, you know, to touch on, you know, we can say, you know, environmental advocacy, right? And for them, environmental adv advocacy is, you know, no more uh, nitrogen, no more methane, no more carbon dioxide. For us, it's just like, clean up your mess. Yeah. That's clean up it's your mess. simple. It's you simple. cut down some trees, plant some trees. Yeah. He, he yeah. couldn't even do that. No. He couldn't yeah. even plant trees. And this is, I want to jump back to the Saudi thing, because we literally have the people virtue signaling on this. And we're going to talk about Trudeau in a minute. But you have these celebrities jet setting all over the world. Yeah. You have environmental and human rights violators like Venezuela, Iran, Saudi Arabia, selling oil to these people virtue signaling because they have these little 100-mile projects, whatever the yep. line. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the most ethical oil on the planet both in terms of the environment and in terms of human costs people are apologizing for it and i don't think danielle smith is outright apologizing for it and, and given that i've had the opportunity to hear her speak at length i think what she's trying to say and in fact what she has said is listen like we've got the technology to do this it, it may be a scheme i don't think she, i'm not putting those words in her mouth but we can sell carbon capture to people 
and make money on it. And we can sell our oil and make money on it. So I think that there's a place there for like, yeah, sure. You want to give us a billion dollars to suck some stuff out of the air. It's anti-mining. You're taking stuff in, putting it underground. Well, the, the biggest uh, irony of the whole environmental movement is that the more you go down that road, the more you depend on oil, the more you depend on natural gas to facilitate this environmental yeah. uh, industry, I guess. Exactly. You say. Yeah. So it, they're, in some senses, they're shooting themselves in the foot for not being creative. Well, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, the problem is, sure, it's like, okay, there's all this money out there. The government's spending all this money. Let's take some of the money. I get that sentiment in the sort of libertarian let's make money way. But the problem, and I think the problem lots of people have with using net zero terms and world economic forum terms is in a way you're validating and building up their system. Even if you're like, well, I don't really believe this is for the environment, but we'll take your money. You're feeding into and ramping up the system, even if it's for personal gain. And I think that the, uh, I think Albertans are a little more principled than that. I think they don't want to say, well, sure, we'll we'll do this. We'll ramp up your system as long as we're getting rich. Well, and lastly, I'll just add to that. There's this tweet I love. I absolutely love it from uh, Lewis Brackpool, our uh, reporter out of uh, the UK. And it's, uh, I believe it was COP26, uh, one of the environmental summits that was happening in uh, mm-hmm. Glasgow, I think it was. Um, but either way, on the highway to this event or in the area, there's a big sign, you know, net zero, you know, save the environment. And they the the funny part about it was that this advocatorial or advocacy type message was being powered by a diesel generator on yep. the side of the road, right? So it, it just sums up this whole environmental thing in a nutshell. That is that's the crux of it. It's like all of these things, everyone preaching. Uh, listen, no one's perfect. There's yeah, there, <laughs> there we go. Is. They're so fast. Good job in the studio. Thanks again. Uh, isn't that just beautiful? Yeah, that's wonderful. This is this is it in a nutshell. Like you're you're going to be able to find like some level of hypocrisy with everyone it doesn't matter i was gonna say with the pope but that's pretty easy um but with like it doesn't matter if it's the dalai lama or the worst uh, environmental activist hypocrite in the world you're gonna be able to find something but with all of this progressive stuff it's so self-evident it's like an orbros everything they say contradicts everything else they say and they every single one of them is doing one thing while while or saying one thing while doing another um, the, the people who work on oil rigs are like, we're going to clean up after ourselves and we're going to provide oil for the world. It, it's not this giant, complicated web of complication and, and confusion um, because they're not lying. They're just providing an honest service. And the thing is, it's just a larger production, yeah. right? You know, you, like people will cry, you know, it's like, oh, they're destroying the trees or whatever. Well, OK, let's say there's, you know, 100 or whatever acres and they're going through that land. Well, what do they do after they're done refining the materials that were underground? They put everything back and they tr- yeah. they plant trees. They yeah. they regrow the natural environment that was there. And yeah. a, a lot of the complaining, I think, does come from just the fact of how large the oil patch really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's they really don't like another part of this is the anti sort of Western sentiment. Yeah, they don't like that. Like Alberta, no matter what, will have a flex. And the other thing too is we've got the farmers, we've got the oil. We can leave and be just fine. It's it's the same thing, and, and we we showed a little bit while we were having some technical difficulties, the Dutch Rebellion stuff. But oh, yeah. Alberta would be absolutely fine on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, we're sort of footing the bill for the rest of the country, and where wherever you stand on separation, uh, Alberta doesn't need Ottawa and Ontario, but Ottawa and Ontario need. Alberta. Uh, yeah, exactly. Alberta has its own pikes to stand on. Yeah. Whereas Ottawa is they're they're trying to punish us while simultaneously trying to take what we're gaining. Exactly. So and it the the one of the sort of cartoon examples is this like, oh, there's like three ducks in a tilling pond, like they're dead. There's like there's like 400 bald eagles murdered by these windmills and no one's or the the the, the generators, yeah. no one turbines, no one's willing to 
go there or talk about it. Yeah, windmills, they they compete with cats, don't they, when it comes to the killing of birds? Oh, yeah. Because, well, and part of that is because uh, a lot of birds, of course, migrate, mm -hmm. and they have their migration path, which usually follows the wind. Yeah. And what else follows the wind? Oh, the windmills. Oh, what do yeah. you know? So we're going to put the windmills in the path of the birds, yeah. and we're going to call it environmentally friendly. Good job, guys. Good job. <laughs> Rubber stamp. You did it. Yeah. Unreal. Let's get into this. I, we were going to take an ad break and watch the Dutch Rebellion trailer. Did we get through all of that, or should we throw to that again? I think they watched probably most of that. Very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay, we got through it. So that's incredible. Uh, Kian has been doing some incredible work on that. So well, do and, be sure. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah and uh, Lewis and uh, Lincoln as well, who went yeah. to the Netherlands, you know, good on them. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a lot that was going on there, and there was a lot of reports that came out of that. And of course, uh, now, as you saw, there's a bit of a documentary being put together by uh, our Kian Simone K2, uh, as many of you might know him. So I encourage you guys to check that out. What's the link for that? Uh, that is, I believe, at FarmerRebellion.com. Um, they, they'll confirm the mo in a moment in the studio. And for folks out there, the trailer is out now, and I believe that's on Rebel News Plus coming out later today. Um, it'll it'll likely be available for everyone, but uh, uh, this is a great time to mention uh, we don't take those big handouts from the government. Yeah. We rely entirely on your support. And one of the great ways you can support us, get unprecedented access, get access to those documentaries, ad-free browsing on our website is by becoming a Rebel News Plus member. It costs eight bucks a month or less. So I think if you sign up for a year, it's like six sixty-seven, dollars um, And that keeps us doing this incredible work, keeps us pumping up this content. So do consider supporting us in that way. Well, let's get into some more of this sort of climate uh, hypocrisy. Um, there's so many places to go, but... Uh, I wanted to, and we'll jump ahead a little bit, just just out of consideration for time. But I wanted to talk about this environmental group mm -hmm. uh, claiming that they're deflating tires mm -hmm. on SUVs yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware, but that actually significantly not. We'll get into the, the how dangerous this is and the safety thing. But in another glaring element of hypocrisy, that reduces the efficiency of vehicles like massively. Not to mention the fact that it's it's literally incredibly dangerous. And I think that could be criminal neglect leading to like yeah. physical harm. Well, this is insane. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it absolutely is. And I think uh, one of the things I heard about that is, uh, I don't know if it was a lawyer or if someone was just commenting on the situation where they were saying uh, that this group is going to start moving lower or considering doing this same kind of activity in the lower mainland. And this is the deflating of tires, uh, car vehicle tires or trucks or whatever tires. Um, and the the pushback that this individual had mentioned is that there's going to be serious legal consequences if you try that, you know, so it maybe this was a one off, maybe they're going to keep on uh, attempting this and maybe there will be legal consequences that follow. But um, from what I understand, this stemmed or maybe it stemmed prior to this, but uh, from New York, and there was a similar activity that happened in New York uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, either they were slashing or deflating tires, and then that movement kind of kicked off a little bit. So I think this stems from that. Um, but either way, yeah, there, imagine turning on your car in the morning and, you know, you don't think anything of it. You don't realize your tires are deflated. You start the car, you start going. Well, some people are maybe immediately going to realize, but other people, they're not going to know what's happening. Maybe they'll just continue on driving. And then all of a sudden that tire gets ripped off the wheel and you got no more traction. So you're sliding down one of those hills in Vancouver and you're dead. Yeah. And th this is the thing is the person who's likely not going to notice that there's certainly likely a demographic of families that drives SUVs, maybe mom busy rushing the kids in, trying to get to work. 
um, the the least likely person to notice a little in the wheels, the cars loaded with kids. The wild thing here is imagine we, we literally saw the coastal gas link like machete attack. We're seeing people deflating cars and creating a fundamentally dangerous situation. And yet where's like the 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 emergencies act to stop these well, people exactly you know and I, I i spent a lot of time down there in coots uh, as people might remember there was the blockade there yeah. uh, and near the tail end or just after we had left i forget the exact day that this happened um but there was uh either in bc or alberta a massive i, I guess it's fair to say it's an attack it was an attack on uh, an outpost so yeah. to speak for either a logging or an oil uh, yeah, it was the coastal uh, link. It I was believe. that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Vancouver, um, BC. And they they destroyed the facility. Yeah. Like the buildings were destroyed. The I think it was the excavator uh, had damage, or some vehicles the had offices. heavy damage. It's insane. You know yeah. that is terrorism, in my opinion. And, you know, I I don't mean to uh, rile anybody anybody up when I say that, but terrorism is the you know you're trying to instill fear yeah. into these people. Oh, yeah. through these tactics, it's terrorism, and I don't care if I rile anybody up. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you're yeah. right. But then as well, there's another uh, blockade happening in uh, BC right now. Uh, yeah. More probably some of the same environmental people might be uh, aware who are probably the tire deflating. But uh, 30 people have now blocked uh, RCMP uh, vehicle at Northwest BC pipeline site as protests continue uh, the terror standards. So uh, this is another one of the, yeah, there we have it on screen. So uh, this is another one of those uh, environmental related blockades and especially related to a pipeline. We've seen a few of those, uh, like the other one in Alberta who uh, some Albertan, I'm not going to call him a folk hero, but he's been called a folk hero, uh, came in for the CN rail uh, blockade yep. and just was like, no, we're going to move all this trash off the train track so i uh but that in bc and i've seen uh there's one group down there that's really hard has formed a hard line defending the uh, deforestation i forget the exact name of the group but the the battle between rcmp police officers in bc and these protesters it gets pretty wild like i'm not gonna yeah. lie it, it's pretty nuts it's it's all in the bush uh, there's maybe, you know, 30 to 50 people involved max. It's yeah. not like a, a thousands and thousands of people on the street kind of protest. Um, but they, there is heavy. It's like a Yellowstone scene. It's not a war, but there's some conflict. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Sorry, I'll let you continue. No, and I I just, it, it, I, I literally, I think just the, you can juxtapose that with Pastor Arthur Pawlowski. And now this is Critical Infrastructure Defense Act in Alberta I'm talking about. Yeah. But you literally have people blocking railways, blocking pipelines, attacking offices, literally engaging in uh, critical infrastructure attacks, yeah. which laws like critical infrastructure defense acts are meant to guard against. Yeah. And they're not being utilized in those cases for political reasons. And then in the, in the most, I mean, it's literally uh, the most peaceful protest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like th this was, this wasn't even the, the, and you were down in Coots. I was in Milk River. This wasn't like the literal guy blocking the road was charged under the Critical Infrastructure Defense Act. This was a pastor who visited them. The, the, the double standards are wild. And he was only there for one day. Yeah. For one day he was yeah. there. And it was hours. Yeah. It wasn't even a full day. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's unreal. And I, now we are seeing, we've talked about this before, and I will no doubt continue to talk about it. There are significant legal victories coming. Um, but until those sort of, certain groups getting special treatment and free passes yeah. that stuff ends you know the 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 uh, coastal uh, gas line that they're working on there i think it's something like 19 of 20 mm -hmm. 
of that community, the bands, elected councils have voted in favor. Yeah. And the other one, it was like, a, basically it was virtually unanimous or they like, it was a split. So 19 and then a split, something like that. You can look up the exact numbers, but effectively entirely unanimous among all elected band councils, the entire length of the railway. The people, pro the, the pipeline, the people protesting are largely coming in from outside yeah. or self-proclaimed hereditary chiefs yeah. or activists. They aren't the actual communities themselves that would benefit from this. Well, and that's the thing is a lot of Indigenous communities do actually benefit from these larger... The number one employer of Indigenous communities. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, and it's a big shame that we see all this controversy, uh, you know, it's like pushing oil against the Indigenous community when realistically it's these, you know... Uh, I don't know what you would call them, but these people who've lived in basically cities their whole life, you know, they hear about the the indigenous struggle of those in Canada, and they it, it's like they're living through uh, what is it, Avatar? That vicariously, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They're vicariously living yeah. through this Avatar fantasy of yes, yeah. where it's like, oh, these, you know, uh, they're smart and they have a different way of life and this and that, uh, but they need my help. You yeah. know, they need my help and I know what they need. Yeah. That, that's the kind of mentality a lot of these advocates take. Well, and you, these people who are preaching, I'm like, you ever been on the res? Yeah. No, they, yeah. none of them have. They've never talked to these people. Yeah. I'm not professing to be an Indigenous expert, but we repaired yeah. the, uh, the church roof. We share their stories. We speak with Indigenous people, try and give them an opportunity yeah. to share their voice. That's a lot more than these yeah. advocates have ever done. Yeah, um, we don't speak for them. Yeah, we that's give them a platform. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we don't, we don't, only go to the sort of Trudeau rolls out the same two or three sort of people who are going to echo his talking points. And we don't put a camera on the Indigenous people who aren't even from the local community, but they're there protesting. We go and talk to the actual locals. Yeah. And I think that matters. I, I want, I, we do have to take a little break here. Um, it's not so much a break, but it's actually an opportunity for you to check out this incredible uh, work we're doing. Another uh, little bit of incredible work by uh, our Andrea Humphreys. Yeah, and um, Matt Brevner. Yeah. yeah, and Matt Brevner, of course. Kudos. He's doing some incredible work. Um, setting the story straight on some other uh, indigenous stories, giving some of those folks a platform and seeking the truth wherever that may lead us. So let's jump into this uh, Kamloops uh, trailer and take a look at that right away. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumlupshiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true? And that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found. This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, I, I am absolutely so happy because when you talk to actual Indigenous people, even the Pope was just here, we were in Edmonton, we had the opportunity to speak to lots of residential school survivors. Yeah. And they're like, Trudeau is not for us. He has his own agenda. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, Justin Trudeau, it, it's just repugnant that they're campaigning on this. Um, meanwhile, we still have 27 First Nations communities that don't have clean drinking water, um, which we're, we're going to be doing a lot on in the next little while here. But they, they'll show up and campaign 
on these mass graves, which in fact are not mass graves. Some of them, it has turned out, have been uh, upturned apple orchards, and that disruption in the soil they thought was a mass grave. Um, I believe there might be like one one or two individuals where they don't know exactly where they were buried. Lots of these were sort of lost cemeteries. Um, but when you talk about where some of these these sort of lost cemeteries are with Indigenous people, they're like, we've known about this forever. Exactly. This scandal is literally just political uh, campaigning. And these same politicians who said mass grave, mass grave villainy, they never came back and said, oh, I guess we overreacted. And maybe, maybe we shouldn't have done that because we saw dozens of churches vandalized, burned. They generated this massive sort of wound. And in fact, there was this wound that was sort of healing, truth and reconciliation was underway. Um, and then they just ripped at that scab as it was healing. Um, and I'm so happy that Dre is doing that work and shedding a light on that. What's your sort of reaction to that? No, yeah, likewise. I, I really do look forward to seeing that uh, once it's fully available. Um, and yeah, it's it's a very terrible cycle that a lot of our politicians have fallen into where they'll use sentimentalism mm -hmm. to gain people's attention. You know, they don't I mean, honestly, most of these politicians probably don't care about these issues that are on the ground, let's say, when it comes to clean water supply or yeah. other issues like that. Um, they they just don't care. They use it as, like, let, let me put it this way. People enjoy rooting for the little guy. You know, the David and Goliath situation. Not many people are rooting for Goliath in these kinds of scenarios. They know this. So they'll take advantage of that and they'll mm -hmm. they'll look to the smallest you know, minority or any minority that they can, they'll put that skin suit on and they'll tell you, you know, you should be sympathetic. You should vote for me because we care about these people when really they don't. These politicians use people like this for the reason of sentimentally uh, gaining followers and gaining attention because most of the people out there don't actually follow the news in an in-depth manner. Yeah, no, 100%. So, yeah, that that it's so funny for all the language of misappropriation. That's literally what they're doing. Oh, yeah. The other thing, too, that is so shameful about it is they've also created a narrative that it's like racist to ask questions or oh, yeah. be, be concerned. So it's like we're going to do all this crazy stuff. We're going to blanket it in the sort of uh, indigenous narrative. And then if you ask questions about it, you're a racist and you're stepping on their their turf. That That is not what's happening whatsoever here. Um, that is what they're doing themselves. That's what Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, people like this are doing. Let's jump back a little bit. We're having a conversation about the glaring hypocrisy. Right. And I mean, you can talk about Leonardo DiCaprio, you can talk about Fawcett, whoever else um, you want to talk about. Um, but Justin Trudeau really, really, really just takes the cake. Oh, yeah. T tell us a little bit about the story. Yeah, Trudeau hits the nail on the head when it comes to hypocrisy. Um, and for all of the uh, uh, the crying that he'll do when it comes to, you know, environmentalism, you know, we're going to have zero gas fueled cars by 2035 or whatever fantasies he lives in. Um, I just want to read this one headline for you. In one month, Trudeau used enough fuel to power a trucker convoy <laughs> in a month. And, you know, right now he's going on vacation, right? Um, Costa Rica. More jet fuel. Yeah. And recently he did this uh, uh, pit stop in Calgary. Uh, where he flipped some pancakes at a liberal fundraiser event. And because the stampede was going on, it counted as a stampede event. So he's like, oh, I'm at the stampede. You know, hi, everybody. Uh, even though he gave nobody uh, a due warning or due notice that he would be there. Uh, so it was very much so a, a surprise visit. Flip some pancakes, take some photos, leave. And that's that's two flights in one day over a photo shoot. He, he didn't even stay a couple yeah. extra days to actually do work. Yeah. So it, that just shows you where he's at. I mean, the, the amount of jet fuel this guy spends is unbelievable. 
And it, it, does it say that I think it was like there was eleven days he hasn't been on a jet, like in total or something insane in a year? Probably, yeah. It w- would not surprise me. It's this stuff is it's absolutely just shocking. It, they, this article is really great, actually. I urge people to check it out because it, it breaks down like how many trips you could take in a Hummer if you had a Honda. Like you could travel around the world, however many times. It's it's absolutely just the most bizarre non-business oriented campaigning <laughs> stuff and th- this isn't even i'm sure we're going to get a tips on this we know how much this guy drinks and eats oh, yeah. and consumes on these flights yeah. it is going to be so interesting and let, let me just add there yeah. the, uh, the byline i think it was the uh justin trudeau's july jet travel also emitted roughly 85.8 tons of greenhouse gases into the earth's atmosphere the yearly Canadian average is 4.1 tons. So that's about what, 20? 20? Yeah, 21 <laughs> times roughly uh, the amount of greenhouse gas. And that's is. just flying in July. Yeah. So in, in, in just July, just his flight alone, I can't even imagine the other stuff, was basically the equivalent of, of like 20 Canadians for a whole year. Uh, same as a, a trucker convoy <laughs> or a trucker convoy yeah you think about that you know i think Jeez. about the convoy that we had here um that that <laughs> you know what this I, picture the same amount of fuel for one person daniel smith said she did a 180 on net zero i'm going to do one right now too i'm a radical environmentalist justin trudeau must be stopped um he's the most damaging uh environmental violator in this country's history i am so interested to to look back, like once he's no longer the leader, which hopefully will be soon, um, to do like a, a day, like a quotidian mm-hmm. cost analysis, divide a cost per average compared to past leaders of this country. Oh yeah, I bet it's going to be jarring. We and, could probably do that already. Sheila's probably watching. She's probably already ordering an A tip. Well, and, and what we got to do is adjust for inflation. Of course, just yeah. inflation. That's I why he's think. doing it. He's like, inflation was ten percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, unreal, unreal stuff. Um, let's let's jump ahead a little bit uh, to save a little bit of time here. But uh, speaking of Justin Trudeau, this is a perfect transition. Um, we've got this really great, fun Justin Trudeau shirt. I'm sure you've probably seen it. It's doing really well. Um, I, the amount of people who've come up to me and said, hey, check out this really great shirt. Um, I got this Rebel News store, but we've got an ad for it. Let's just roll that ad. I think Dave Menzies shot this. So. <laughs> I love Dave, I, I love Dave Menzies. Exactly. He's the best. So let's jump to that ad now. Hey, folks, check out the newest arrival to the Rebel News store. Yes, F is for Fidel and F is for father. I mean, could it be? Yes, it, half this photo, the colored half, is Justin Trudeau. The black and white half is a young Fidel Castro wait now or is it vice versa it's so confusing i'm a huge forensic files fan wouldn't it be great if we could have a piece of justin's dna and a piece of fidel's dna and put the rumor to bed once and for all but in the meantime we'll just have to walk around wearing this shirt hinting at a great canadian conspiracy or is it In any event, if you want to get this shirt, folks, go to the Rebel News store and check this out. Type in our new discount code that summer, S-U-M-M-E-R. And if you buy two unisex t-shirts, you get an additional one for free. What a deal. Like I said, Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro, as they used to say on the ABC detergent ads, can you tell the difference? 
I can't tell the difference. That's great. I love that shirt. You know, I one thing I really love, we've got so many more designs now. Um, kudos to some of the team. I mean, Danny does some incredible designs. So I got to give a shout out. Um, some of the stuff there we had for the Free the Beef campaign, oh, yeah. which was which was pretty darn successful, I might add. Um, but there, there's a steer on one of the shirts and it says, I don't need a warning label. Uh, whether someone's a rebel fan or they're passionate about beef or they're they they think that just, that Castro is Justin's dad, there's something for you on Rebel News. Uh, store.com. I love that the half of A's shirt. I've got that one as well. So uh, check that out. Grab a shirt. Again, that goes a long way to keeping us hard at work telling these important stories. Sid, you had a story you wanted to share. Uh, yeah, well, uh, speaking of uh, Trudeau and the, the Castro lookalike situation, uh, if you did want to do any research on that and actually go down to Cuba uh, or go down to uh, Central America to do some investigating, well, for the last two years, if you were unvaccinated, that wasn't an option. Uh, as you know, we've had some of the most restrictive, some of the most draconian vaccine mandates on the planet. Um, and now we've got this headline here. I'm just going to read through the headline, um, and I'll, I'll ask you after. Court documents reveal Canada's travel ban had no scientific basis. What does that mean, Adam? Well, I thought science was religion. Well, how could it? Okay, just go on. You talk. know, I, I would never on YouTube dare to question the advice of our health officials. Mm -hmm. But it seems that whether it's Arthur Pawlowski, the Court of Appeals rulings, or travel bans in this country, courts are now beginning to question the validity of some of these decisions. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say too much more, but it is very interesting and it will be interesting to see what the health officials will be saying moving forward and what government officials will be saying moving forward. But even with the ability for the unvaccinated to now travel, do you think they're ever going to be able to catch up to Trudeau's level of greenhouse gas emissions? Never. Never? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Never. Not as, not as individuals. I don't think, I don't think just the amount of time uh, spent sitting, waiting for bags and going through security at Pearson, Trudeau doesn't do that. He well, just... <laughs> and lastly, I'll, I'll let you take over after is uh, we've got what, how many? Six million Canadians that were unvaccinated who couldn't travel. Yeah. Meanwhile, in a month, that's how much 80-something uh, uh, tons of greenhouse gas emissions is what Trudeau is going to spend on jet fuel, yeah. while millions of Canadians are being denied that exactly. access to travel. And, you know, the, uh, this next story ties in absolutely perfectly, but on the just glaring note of double standards and hypocrisy, you know, what? I'm going to talk about the story. Yeah. People are, it's really resonating with people. Uh, and, and while we are having some tech difficulties, you guys check that out. I got an update from Chad Williamson of Williamson Law. A 76-year-old man was flying, I believe, from France to Canada. And being 76 years old, having a number of issues, I guess he had a double hip replacement. He's got some medical concerns while he was eating or taking some breaks, trying to catch his breath. I know I've got like a little bit of asthma. I'm like, <gasps> if ever, I thought I really wear a mask, but the other time flying hat to, I'd be like struggling to breathe. So this guy, he, he was endeavoring to keep it up and he actually, he had it on his face and fell asleep and it slid down while he was sleeping, according to, to this uh, Alec uh, Bieleski. I'm, I'm probably getting that wrong, but I wrote it. I should probably know. Um, but Chad Williamson was relaying that effectively it fell down and he was arrested for non-compliance. Yeah. Arrested. He, he was endeavoring to wear his mask. He didn't get on a plane, which I mean, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with it. He didn't get on a plane and say, no, I do what I want. Yeah. Get out of my way. He was efforting. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't being defiant at all. Yeah. He was just some guy on an airplane you know, and it's like, uh, this is a very simple situation. And I can even picture for myself, you know, very few times have I actually had to wear a mask. 
Uh, and one of those times was, you know, taking a flight. And yeah. I remember on that flight and the flight back, uh, I would, you know, be on the flight. I would make sure I buy a, a pack of Pringles or whatever, a pack of snack food. I'm not promoting Pringles, uh, <laughs> just any kind of snack food. And then the the rule is when you're on these planes is you're allowed, you know, if you're drinking or if you're eating, well, obviously yeah. you can't do that with your mask on. So you just sit there for, you know, however many hours your flight is one by one yeah. eating those chips, you know, you, you don't, you don't science. put a mask back on you. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly, this is exactly it. It's yeah. science. You know, I can go a whole flight with my mask down because I'm eating something and putting spit into the air and this and that, whatever. This guy falls asleep and his mask goes down a little bit and he's getting arrested. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's unreal. We are looking forward to more details. Um, and we do want to make sure we get the story straight because I guess there was one or two things before where he was taking too long eating and they were kind of harassing him. But this seems one, and he's like, okay, whatever. So he put it on, fell asleep, it slid down. This seems like one of those sort of power hungry, power tripping, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. flight, whatever we're supposed to call the flight helpers, um, was, had a vendetta, didn't like this guy. And I mean, from a common sense perspective, 76 year old man having some issues that's who you're going to make an example of and see that he's arrested well these flight attendants got to rein it in like i've seen some of the videos where they're they're getting frantic in uh, at couples who have children young children who you know it's like a four-year-old or a toddler you know a two-year-old a baby yeah. that can't wear the mask or won't wear the mask or gets all screaming and everything like that um and they'll kick them off the plane it's like yeah. This is a literal child, you know. Yeah. How heartless. Exactly. How heartless, honestly. Um, and, you know, we've seen this because a lot of people are traveling not for the sake of luxury like Justin Trudeau, yeah. uh, but so that they can see family members who are you dying. You don't travel so that, daily for photo ops? Yes, honestly, right? You're not Catherine McKenna or Justin Trudeau, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, this is the other thing, too, is the media yeah. that has just harped on this. Well, Pope Francis, while these laws were still in effect, he sure wasn't wearing a mask when he was flying over Canada. As well, he shouldn't yeah. because he's an old man with serious medical issues who, who can barely get anywhere. It's incredible. He crossed the ocean in order to, whatever you think of the apology, he hauled himself across an ocean to say sorry, um, by the way, which most Indigenous people we talked to were, they're a little torn over the whole thing, but they, they took him as earnest for lots of the malice of there. Are lots of people... Um, buying into Justin Trudeau's finger pointing at the church when it was in fact the government who paid for yeah. and did so much of this residential school Didn't stuff. Didn't Trudeau's father have something to do with residential schools? Just his father cut. Yeah, it wasn't until 1997 that the last one was closed. But hey, we don't want to talk about that. It's that old guy who didn't wear a mask on an airplane. Yeah. But the, the what I was getting to, sorry, excuse my little uh, diatribe, but the the mainstream media who has been finger pointing and snitching and, and heralding all these talking points well, the Pope wasn't wearing a mask. They didn't want to seem uncool because yeah. Pope Francis is not wearing a mask. There's photos of all of them not wearing masks yep. on this flight. Exactly. It's absolutely wild. Meanwhile, while the, we're moving on from the pandemic, things are starting to normalize again. 76-year-old man is arrested. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely well, surreal. You know, and then there's the problem of when you land. Sorry, I'm going off, uh, but there's a problem of when you land with the ArriveCan app. And I think there was a, another individual, an elderly man who was confined to a chair. And his, I think his son or the person who was with him was arguing with the ArriveCan person, this bureaucrat at the airport, um, who was saying, you know, you have to have the ArriveCan app. You have to download it. You have to do all this and that. It's like this older fellow doesn't have a phone. Yeah. And these are the extremes that we're trying to push these individuals to. There was an incredible quote. Uh, Kian actually sent to me. We're probably not going to be able to pull it up on the fly. Um, I think it was actually a National Post journalist or something. Um, and they said, for everyone tweeting... Like arrive can work fine for me. Why don't you go tweet at 
to journalists writing on indigenous issues that your tap water is perfectly fine. Yeah. Because that's basically the gist of it. People out there have lost any sense of sympathy mm -hmm. and compassion in understanding that like, there's people with respiratory issues. There's people, by the way, who have encountered abuse in their life, sometimes sexual abuse, who the sentiment, or even people with psychological issues that lead to sort of sensory problems. I know one case we reported on was a young uh, girl who was kicked out of school because her doctor's note expired. And her doctor was apprehensive about renewing a note because they were afraid they'd get in trouble with the College of Physicians. Yeah. This girl changed like seven times when we got to the house. Like she kept going upstairs with her parents because the, the clothes was bothering her. Mm -hmm. So it had to be just right for her to function. A mask was was like a it would be a, a borderline death sentence. Exactly. The school kicked her out. This is the same sort of stuff. We've we've lost compassion. We've lost sensibility and sensitivity for other people's issues. And it's very often these ultra liberal genteels saying everyone should mask, no exceptions. Well, I was uh, for one of the stories I was doing, it was about a, a university and a, a student who was having a, a mask, I don't want to call it a battle, but a, a mass dispute, uh, whether or not he should have had to have worn one on campus. And then I looked at the university's uh, policy when it came to mask exemptions. And part of that policy was the fact that if you have mask-related acne, if you have mask-related, you know, issues of any kind, you know, respiratory issues or uh, bronchitis or whatever it might be, and you have issues like this that are related to you wearing a mask, yeah. you're not allowed an exemption. Yeah. Isn't that just despicable? It's, you know, I, I don't know what to say to that. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you completely accept uh, all the health officials' narratives, which of course we do because we're on YouTube, it someone who has respiratory issues would likely be aware that they're more vulnerable yeah. to COVID-19 and therefore they wouldn't lightly not be wearing a mask. They would be doing it because they have trouble breathing. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big guy. I, I consume a lot of oxygen, generally speaking, and I'm always talking, which doesn't help. But I have like a headache for hours after a flight if I have to wear a, a mask. I feel oxygen deprived. I don't feel great. So imagine someone with a serious respiratory issue or someone even in someone 76, someone in their 80s, it, it, everything becomes a little more burdensome as you get older, not having any sort of compassion. And the problem is, is the, the people who were compassionate, the people who were willing to take a stand, uh, they they got rid of them all. Yeah. <laughs> They got rid of them all because lots of them weren't willing to go along with this. And that's why the critical thinkers, the people who would be resolving so many of these air travel issues today in this country, well, they're no longer working there. Yeah. I do want to talk about this absolutely unreal, uh, the Dina Hinshaw, mm -hmm. the chief medical <laughs> officer of health. Yeah. I'd love a bonus like that. I'll sign up for one of those bonuses. Well, is she lying about kids with cancer dying from COVID again or what? Yeah, that, that must get you a big bonus. Yeah. It's unreal. Let's pull, if we can pull up that uh, tweet. I think Daniel Smith, Brian Jean, I think was one of the first people to comment on this. Todd Lowen, I know, did a video on it, and Daniel Smith also tweeted about this. Yeah, De Dina Hinshaw. Say what you will about her bangs. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you are a staunch lockdown advocate or a freedom fighting person who doesn't believe in any of this. She did not use scientific evidence yeah. she sort of followed other places which i mean you could argue maybe they use scientific evidence but it was very much a, a chase you're chasing your tail uh, when she was called to appear in court she had a very hard time sort of saying we did this based on this study um there's a, a hesitancy to be accountable to be open to questioning um 
And look at that bonus amount again. Can we pull that up on the screen one more time? It's Sorry. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So her base salary already almost $400,000, $363,000. Her COVID bonuses, $227,000, almost $228,000. I guess CERB was too good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, us plebs, you know, we had to struggle. We were, you know, how many of us lost our jobs? Yeah. I, I used to work in a kitchen. You know, I can tell you a lot of people in the cooking industry and in the restaurant industry, I should say, lost their jobs, along with plenty of other industries. Yeah. And we were what, you know, get your serve, you know, you get your little chump change every week, every biweekly, whatever it is. Meanwhile, the bureaucrats who are locking you down and destroying your jobs, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Bonuses. Yeah. We're, we're all in this together. I'm just making 10, yeah. 20, 30 times what you're making. It, it's absolutely offensive. And the thing is, is the, the reason these health bureaucrats arguably are overpaid or well-paid is because eventually they might have to deal with a crisis like this. So Dean Anshaw has been making this almost $400,000 salary for years. And then finally, she has to do something substantive, which I mean, most would argue she did a bad job. And she gets bonuses. This is so just across government, across the board. And it is so integral that whoever the next leader of the UCP is yeah. fixes this because it's insane. Yeah. Well, how many times has she been caught lying? How many yeah. times has she advocated for master vaccines without scientific justification for her doing so? Yeah. And how much of that is tied to these bonuses? Yeah. That's it, what I want to know. Yeah. it's And that, that is a very, very good question. You know, though, I, I honestly, my inclination on this is that there's just a it's so it's such a disconnect from the real world that they're just paying their own sort of elite class that is separate from everybody else regardless of anything like these people are just getting bonuses for working a bit of overtime yeah. uh, there, there's no justification a 300 to 400,000 dollar contract yeah. covers a little bit of overtime but a quarter million dollar effectively bonus while the rest of us and this whole narrative of we're all in it together. It's sickening. It's absolutely. And well, it falls apart real quick. As soon as you realize you can't take Trudeau's private jet to Costa Rica. Yeah. That's where it falls apart. Yeah. Because it's their stuff, not yours. Yeah. It's their money, not yours. You get, like I mentioned, you know, your little serve, you know, a thousand bucks a month or whatever yeah. while they get to live lavishly. And the other thing too, is on, on such a core level, what that did, and there's like these job shortages, the people who were working $2,000 a month or whatever jobs at McDonald's, well, they're like, I'm just going to get served. Exactly. The families who were actually for years contributing through high paying jobs to the taxes extensively, mm -hmm. they got the same serve benefit as a kid who just maybe didn't even graduate university. It's, it is such an absolute disconnect. Well, that's actually one of the things too with serve is uh, how many prisoners got served? Yeah, I mean, people that shouldn't have been getting yeah. served were getting served. Yeah. And there's money just flowing out the door with these politicians, and none of it's going to us. There was a gang in Montreal that was all claiming serve and buying guns with it. Exactly. Like this, this stuff is completely disjointed from reality, and and there's no sort of connect. And it, the only solution to this is be whether it's the lockdowns you're talking about, whether it's the the millions of dollars being paid to inept, unelected health officials. The only solution to this, there's nothing as far as restructuring or planning or accountability metrics, because these people are the one who implement those things. We need smaller government. I, I Brian Jean had this incredible quote at the UCP debate, mm. and it was something, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was something to the effect of, 
we need government that we forget exists. Exactly. Like we literally need government. The government should not have billion dollars to squander on investment projects because they don't. If they have a billion dollars, it's because they've either taken it from us through our tax dollars or they borrowed it from our children. And then they're paying themselves so much money that if you're making $600,000 a year, who cares about a little bit of inflation? But for families trying to get by, I can tell you month to month, yeah. we like I, I paid off like vehicles and I'm, I, I've done everything as best I can. But then you look at the month to month, it's like, oh, the, the city of Calgary took in, I don't know, millions of surplus. So this year, my, my, I think my taxes went up, my property taxes went up like 40 bucks a month. They took in too much last year, and now they're bringing our property taxes up 40 bucks a month during a pandemic when so many people are unserved. It, it's, it's wild to see what is going on out there. Um, but hopefully, I'm, I'm honestly skeptical. I'm not optimistic. Mm-hmm. This is so institutional that I don't know if there is a leadership candidate for the UCP, for the, for the federal politics as well. Mm-hmm that can actually destroy this megalithic disastrous system it is so bad like you need someone extremely and you know it's it's sad to see that jason kenny sort of went the way he did because mm. i think he was enough of a personality with enough experience that he could have gutted this thing and fixed it and set alberta back on track yeah but he he just started playing the game the same as anyone else i don't know if one of these other people i hope i'm wrong and I, I'd love to hear from these some of these candidates. Some of these candidates are saying all the right things. But when push comes to shove, are they going to say, no, we're not doing that? No, health unelected health officials don't get $500,000. Well, and, you know, I think that's perhaps one of the issues with our political system, even though, what is it, democracy is the worst system except for all the other ones kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but I think one of the problems is the, the dona- donations that are received uh, by our politicians, the the heavy donors that back them. You know, you don't hear about them necessarily when they're campaigning, and the the individual who is campaigning may stick to what they say for as long as they can. But once they're in that position of power, once those big donors are like, "You're not making change. You yeah. want to be in here next round? Well, then you're going to have to play ball." Yeah. So there there is that that pressure that does come from these heavy donors and these heavy uh, sponsors and people who just generally have a vested interest in. The narrative going a certain way they'll they'll cling to these individuals and then come election time whoever actually comes out of the day yeah. winning well then we see who they really are and you know the the interesting thing there and i think that's something this is in the united states this is right across canada something that needs to be uh sort of addressed we're running tight on time we'll yep. speed up after this but um is there are actually like reasonable election rules so people can't massively contribute directly yeah. to a campaign. But one of the problems is, is like you look at organizations like the Trudeau Foundation, mm-hmm. like people while in office making a set amount and not, and this is every politician, it doesn't matter if it's Bush or Obama yeah. or Trudeau or whoever, um, they they come out of the office mm-hmm. millionaires yeah. when they weren't necessarily when they went in. There needs to be metrics of accountability because that is purchased influence categorically. Um, I, I really quickly want to get through some of this other stuff here, um, particularly, you know, should we do one ad? Let's do one ad and then we'll wrap up super quickly. Um, we'll see if we have any chats coming in here as well. I haven't gotten any messages yet, but uh, we'll see if we have any chats. But let's throw to this one ad right away and then we'll wrap up here. 
Adam Sose here for Rebel News. You know, our company is growing quickly and we'd actually like for your company to grow too. That's why this ad space that I'm speaking through right now is actually available for you to purchase. So instead of people listening to me, they could actually be learning about your company, learning about your business. If this interests you, if this is an opportunity you'd like to capitalize on, send us an email at ads at rebelnews.com. So just waiting to hear back from the studio if we do have any super chats or engagement from you guys. Um, so hopefully they can hear. Okay, wonderful. So those will be coming uh, momentarily here, I believe. In the uh, meantime, yeah. so you've got that uh, Hope article there. Is that the one you were looking at? Yeah, let's talk about that one quickly, and then we'll get into these chats. So, of course, as you guys know, the Pope was in town, uh, or I guess I should say uh, in Edmonton in Canada. Uh, he also went to Quebec. Uh, for a little while, and you were actually up there in Edmonton uh, to see this visit, uh, I guess, come true. What, how was it? What What was the, from start to finish, the end feeling of it? Yeah, you know, I what I went, the sentiment I went with, and it's so interesting, I think if you actually think about the people in a sort of compassionate way, um, and you're genuinely interested in ameliorating situations, Pope Francis said that he hopes this is an opportunity for healing. I went and spoke with one of the priests who's involved in organizations, saying, you know, that's great, looking to the back past and apologizing is great, but there's boil water advisories that are still in place from okay. the residential school era. Wouldn't it mean a lot more to do something tangible? And that is almost universally what I heard from people. Exactly. It is, you know what, Let's let's have a... Let's have some tangible action. Let's have some meaningful progress on things like clean water mm -hmm. rather than simply apologizing for the past because that would indicate through actions an actual change of heart. Exactly. Um, so I think people, many people wanted to, I was, I was sitting with some mainstream media when they put the headdress oh. on and they tried to pressure those chiefs and elders mm -hmm. into saying, oh no. And they said, no, we've appointed him. We've adopted him as one of our leaders. Yeah. So I think the indigenous response was it's hard and it's emotional, but I believe him. I, I, I think yeah. that there was some of that. There's that incredible shot. Um, there's still attempts to politicize this. But I think the general overall sentiment that I got was, let's uh, let's do something now. Mm -hmm. Let's let this extend to more than simply uh, an apology. Yeah. Let, what what can this What can this lead to? What was your take on that? Well, no, no, I, I like what you were saying there, and uh, as well, it's uh, let's do something instead of acting like the NDP or acting like the Liberals, who will just advocate for these individuals without actually giving them uh, any good resolve by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, brings me to this uh, headline there, I see. So after Pope called residential schools genocide, the House of Commons should too, NDP MP. So we have that uh, article there. What, what do you think about that? I mean, the, I mean, sure, uh, the Pope calls resident, residential schools genocide, but then this NDP MP, what, 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 what do you take of their perspective? You know, I, I think that, and this is very sort of progressive language, so I'm, I'm apprehensive to use it. Um, but I think the intention from the federal government, by the way, um, who, who instituted, funded, rounded people up, mm. was very much, and if, if you don't like me using this progressive terminology, I apologize in advance, the term sort of a, a cultural genocide, I think is actually apropos. It's, it's very fitting because the intention was to sort of delete the culture delete the language, delete all of that so that they could basically be uh, assimilated into society. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that terminology is appropriate. 
I think this this rhetoric of calling the entire residential school program a genocide, which is evidenced by the fact that these mass graves, it turns out they aren't mass graves. Most of the sort of unmarked grave scenarios were like tuberculosis, mass, mass deaths, and there were proper burials. At the least, do you think it's fair to say that this is a ideological genocide or a genocide of the ideology? Because that, that was kind of the purpose of the residential school. It's not the purpose of the school wasn't, you know, take as many indigenous kids as you can and kill them. No. Uh, it was take them away from their heritage, their culture, and ingrain into them the the backbone of the Bible, so to speak, from not necessarily from the most religious perspective, but from those in the state who were facilitating this. Yeah, their their intention was very much, and it, it, you can look into the, the history of this from the government yourself. The government was just brutal. There were times where they used terminology like the Indian experiment has failed and we must let them die. Um, and then the Catholic Church actually said, whoa, 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 we don't do that. We're not going to let these people die. Uh, by those points, very often the indigenous communities were dependent on the residential schools, on the mission, on the work that was being done. But the government's legacy on this, make no mistake about it, the intention behind residential schools was to completely incorporate them into society. Now, was that from a place of evil colonialism? The issue is, as in Europe, they were sending their kids off to boarding schools mm -hmm. in order for them to be indoctrinated into society as well. Well, it's um, naivety and separation, right? Yeah. Like if you're across the pond in England and you somehow have a hand in this colonialization of North America and these residential schools, well, you're looking at it from across the pond, right? Yeah. So there, there's already a separation of, okay, well, I send my kids to school, they're, they're going to yeah. send their kids yeah. to school, right? It, Makes sense. And it, it but then you come here and you see, you know, how it ends up. Exactly. Yeah. And it does it doesn't excuse it and it doesn't discount what happened. But I think we have to be one of the conversations I had with the priest who was instrumental in organizing is truth and reconciliation. Uh, in the title is that word truth. So if we are going to base the process of reconciliation on rhetoric and lies yeah. and Justin Trudeau campaigns and allegations that these were concentration camps. Yeah. There's never going to be reconciliation because that's not earnest dialogue. That is destructive rhetoric. It, it's not a conversation. It's not a healing uh, process whatsoever. Um, so I think we have to be careful when we're using language because so much of what we've 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 seen, so much of the division, so much of the picking at that scab, mm -hmm. is because of politicians using language to make points yep. instead of attempting to address issues. We're over time. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, we have some some super chats, so I'll read yep. them out. Uh, they'll pop up on the screen, um, and then we can sort of interact with them. Uh, Sun Drez says, please interview Christopher James. Do you know Christopher James? There's probably a few. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know Christopher James. I will look up Christopher James. Uh, uh, Sundrez also chips in two, sorry, $6 on the first one, chips in two bucks and says, please interview Dr. Daniel Nagasi from Rumby, Alberta. I have interviewed Dr. Na Daniel yeah. Nagasi. I think you have two. I don't I know. I have once or twice, in, in yeah. fact, twice for sure. Um, and I think Drea may have as well, but we've done a lot of... Uh, I might have briefly. Yeah, we've done a lot of uh, interviews with Dr. Uh, Daniel Nagasi, very interesting fellow for sure. And uh, yeah, he, he's smart and he's direct and he doesn't shy away from things. So right. yeah, um, I think we have to do, uh, I don't think we can have him on YouTube though. So you might have to check <laughs> Rumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sundra also says six young doctors died last week in Toronto yeah. from, I don't even know if I can say this on YouTube. Uh, I can't for sure. Um, but 
Just, I'm going to say six young doctors died last week in Toronto from the, I don't know. From something. The 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 yeah. thing that we're not allowed to say. Allegations made. Yeah. Um, Nothing to do with... Uh, there is an article on that as well. I can't... Someone wrote up a really great article on that. So that is out there. Um, Frasbo gives five bucks and says facts are facts. Quebec gets billions of dollars from Alberta. That is why they stayed in Confederation. Fact is, Alberta can go on its own. If the Trudeau Liberals stay in power, I can see the breakup of Canada. The other thing we have to do is rid ourselves of the WEF and WHO. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair comment to make. Yeah. I so, mean, well, and it comes to Quebec as well. I mean, um, well, when it comes to the energy industry, they mostly rely on... Uh, 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 hydro dams yeah. uh, and that kind of production. And they're, I mean, they signed a, a pretty deal with Labrador, Newfoundland and Labrador a long time ago to get a lot of their energy for free. Not a lot nowadays, but yeah. back in the day. Um, so they, they just like taking from other provinces. Yeah. I think that's where They like that. And you know what? It's uh, a lot of people now are saying, you know what? Quebec said, you know what? We're out of here. And then they got a deal. I think lots of people in Alberta are, and they're, they're not emptily, emptily threatening, but they're like, we're going to go like this. This is a, well, an abusive relationship. If I could just touch on that, I mean, there's the federal government and then there's the provincial governments. And personally, I don't actually have a problem with Quebec or whatever, because they're just taking advantage of the federal government yeah. when it comes to abusing the other provinces. Yeah. They're taking advantage of the federal government, whereas the other provinces and like Alberta, well, we're being taken advantage of by the federal government. So, I don't, you know, this this uh, squandering between Alberta and Quebec, I think it's more so just the federal government not knowing how to facilitate provinces that want different things. I think... We have so much in common, actually. And when you start, it was interesting. You'll talk with like some of there'll be uh, like Quebec rodeo guys and Alberta rodeos. Yeah. On a sort of fundamental level, we're both like leave us alone. And I'm I'm, exactly. like, I'm French, so I can say this to an extent. I think I think the French can be a little uh, quicker to anger. Mm -hmm. um, so Alberta is just taking its time. But Quebec was like, this is ridiculous. We're not doing this. We're out of here. Yeah. So they got this deal. Alberta's like, wait a minute. Those guys might have been onto something. Uh, Quebecers and Albertans have more in common than you might think. Oh, so, sure. Um, uh, Sundress gives us another $3 and says something I absolutely cannot say on YouTube, nor will we post it. Uh, but thank you very much. I really appreciate your support, and we'd be happy to discuss it elsewhere, certainly. Um, Braspo gives $1 and says, back in 1972, National Airlines had the best ads on TV. Here's a YouTube one. I bet uh, you couldn't show this ad today. Probably not. Still have a fire, smile on my face. We can't share the link, but I'm sure National Airlines, you can YouTube and check out that ad. Uh, C1Cast gives $2 and said, why would Hinshaw not allow doctors to try early treatments with proven safe drugs? That may have caused the death of many people. I think this is probably safe to say. Um, and then something, something hush money that I won't say. Well, I, uh, in terms of the the hush money aspect, I mean, who's to say, right? You yeah. know, it's it's I'm not a right hand, you know, man. I I'm not there to detail everything of what happened in her career over the last two years, right? But uh, certainly, when you receive those kinds of funds, and there's a narrative being emitted by hundreds of experts and politicians around the world, well, you're likely to want to emanate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you know, the other thing on that, that I think I will say that is completely safe and sort of self-evident and that no one should have take umbrage with the lack, uh, the, the, the sort of comorbidities that contributed to serious outcomes, the lack of sort of advocacy from healthcare officials to like go to the gym and get in shape and address some of these comorbidities to significantly reduce negative outcomes um, that's, this is not discounting something they, they, they said or questioning it. It's, it's wondering why it wasn't sort of emphasized because we did see that that was a sort of massive contributing factor 
to serious negative outcomes. Well, so they'll tell you to take the drugs, but they won't tell you to be healthy. Yeah. And I'm here happily, not as a doctor, not offering medical advice, but pretty safely saying that it, it's probably not a bad thing to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all for our chats. I don't think we're missing anything else. I want to thank you guys so much for the great interaction. I once again want to thank our sponsor, the Alberta Prosperity Project. You can find out the incredible work they're doing on so many of these issues we talked about, Alberta, Alberta issues, fair deal for Alberta, yeah. uh, Alberta sovereignty. Yeah, so ch check those guys out. And as well, I just want to say, uh, you know, if Alberta does end up uh, ever taking that road of separation, uh, I'm sure the Alberta Prosperity Project will have a, a strong hand in helping the province. And as well, for those who uh, are in other areas of the country who might not want to be in those parts of the country once Alberta decides to separate, well, come on over. Uh, Alberta is one of the most loving places in Canada. So um, I would encourage it. And I, I'm sure the APP has a lot, a lot more to add. Uh, Plenty of room at the table. So again, thanks so much. Go to albertaprosperityproject.com. And as always, uh, I want to thank you so much. Sid. Good job today. Thanks to everyone in the Rebel Studios for making this possible. And most importantly, thanks so much for you watching at home. If you weren't there, we simply wouldn't be doing this. So yeah. we really appreciate it. Yeah. We're brought to you by the viewers. So that's you guys. And thank you very much. Thanks.